right? The Bible does talk about clapping. Um, yeah, so 20 years of technology, th things have changed a lot, obviously. When I first came here, there were no screens up here. <clears throat> In fact, when I put these screens up here, we first put these up here, uh, we lost three families. So if I can't pick up a hymnal, we're not staying. So uh, that happened. So I'm serious. Uh, but times have changed a lot, and, but uh, thank you, Phil, for leading us this morning, and I love, I love hymns, okay? I love some of the great hymns of old, and that being one of them, How Great Thou Art, that's, that's just a very powerful message. Um, thank you for doing Mercy Tree with Lacey Strum. That's one of my favorite songs. Um, yeah, so it, I, that one gets me every time. So it's, it's just been a, it's just been a great song service. You, you strung together some songs that are very powerful and very meaningful, and as we come to our subject uh, for this morning, so if you have your uh, Bible, turn to John chapter 10. We're going to start there. Um, and then there is a, inside your bulletin the copy of my notes for this morning. Now, one of the things that we uh, experience throughout our lifetimes is that people give us gifts. Uh, how many of you receive gifts? We all have, right? Christmas time, birthdays, anniversaries. All different kinds of gifts that we receive, all, all different types, times in our lives. And uh, without question, uh, one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received is the gift of salvation. And you know, as well as I do, that the gift of salvation came to us by way of God's grace. It wasn't something that we earned. It was not something that we deserved. But it was something that God gave to us as a gift because he knew that we needed it. And along with that gift came the ability to hear the voice of God. So built into your DNA as a follower of Jesus Christ is the capacity to be able to hear God and to listen to his voice as you walk and nurture and grow in this relationship between you and your heavenly Father. And that's why we're going to spend several weeks uh, on this because Jesus said to his own disciples in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, he said, listen guys, when I leave this earth... When I vacate this world, I just want you to know I'm not leaving you behind on your own, all right? So I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send you the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he is going to I'll be at the right hand of the Father interceding for you, but you're, you're not going to go without the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you all the way as you are seeking to fulfill the calling that I've placed upon your lives. And so certainly that happened. And we know all through the Bible and even into the New Testament and particularly the book of Acts, as we studied the book of Acts for a year, that God would speak to people and they always knew uh, what he was saying. It doesn't necessarily tell us how he spoke, but they understood what he was saying and they responded to his voice and direction and comfort or whatever it is that, that God, God may be giving to them at that moment in time. And so, again, hearing the voice of God is a gift. It is not something that we earn. It's not something that we have to, uh, you know, <clears throat> reach some certain uh, spiritual plateau in order to obtain that. Uh, the fact is that you, you have the capacity to hear. You may not be hearing or you may be confused about whether or not you're hearing but the fact is, every single one of you sitting here, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a, you are a, a member of God's kingdom, a, a part of his household, God has equipped you with the Holy Spirit of God to hear the voice of God. And we cannot have intimate relationship with God without hearing his voice. Sometimes we need to hear the voice.
voice of God for comfort. Sometimes we need to hear God's voice for encouragement. Sometimes we need to hear God's voice just for connection or community. And we need to hear that voice above all other voices that says, listen, I see you, I know you, I understand, I'm with you, I love you, I have not left you, I have not deserted you. And so when you learn to recognize God's voice, it just settles something inside of you, right? So that you know that, man, I am hearing from my creator. I'm hearing from this God who is so far above and beyond me, I can't even begin to understand it or fathom it or even, you know, if you think long enough about it, it'd drive you crazy. Uh, God is that vast, uh, and yet he, this vast God, wants to have intimacy with us so that we hear him and he hears us and it is a relationship. And as we said last week, it's the reason I want to hear from God is not just so I get his opinion uh, and to, to weigh his opinion against my opinion and somebody else's opinion on what it is I'm facing in life or how God's trying to direct my life. I want to have God's opinion because that's the only opinion I really need. Right. So as I said, uh, in the very first message, or the last message I did of 2018, I said, listen, if you want to get out of the vicious cycle of self-deception, the only way you're going to do that is to learn how to hear God's voice. The most important voice you can learn to distinguish in your life for 2019 is God's voice. And uh, so we're, we're spending some time on that, and I hope that you will understand. Here's the first fill-in for you. Hearing God's voice is a gift, and it is invaluable. And the reason why I want to talk about the value of hearing God's voice this morning is this. Because if I do not value something, I won't go after it, right? If it's just like, well, you know, hearing God's voice, that would be nice. Uh, you know, the occasional, oh, hey, Greg, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, that would, that, would, that would be a wonderful thing, but I, I really don't see the value in hearing God's voice. After all, I have the Bible. And one of the things that came out of the Reformation, a lot of good things came out of the Reformation back with Martin Luther, but one of the bad things that came out of the Reformation is that, listen, uh, we have the completed uh, word of God, therefore there is really no need to hear the voice of God. I give pushback on that because... If you go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says that faith, and we're called into a relationship of faith, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Two Greek words for the word word, one is logos, which would be the word of God or the Bible, the other is rima, which would be the voice of God or the message of God. That's the word that Paul selected when he says our faith is built on hearing God's voice. So if the Apostle Paul uh, thought it valuable enough to hear God's voice and to want that and long for it and to go after it, then I think it's going to be extremely valuable to you and I. And so I want to give you some, uh, some reasons why. Four of them. There's, there's a lot of them I could risk, uh, list, but I want to give you four. Uh, so I'm giving you the um, Reader's Digest version of really where we could go with this. Uh, but I think these are probably the four, top four for me. Number one is that it proves, it, when you hear God's voice, it proves that I'm in God's family, right? What, what did Jesus say uh, in John chapter 10 and verse 27? Remember, we read this passage last week, the first part of my sheep hear my voice. And so what does he say? He says, my sheep listen to my voice. Whose sheep? His sheep. Not somebody else's sheep. He says, my sheep. 
Remember how the shepherds operated is that when nighttime fell and in risk of the predators against the sheep, they put them in a big sheep pen. There might be five shepherds that have sheep in that sheep pen. So the next day the shepherd's going to call his sheep out. How, do, how does he distinguish his sheep from somebody else's sheep is that the sheep would recognize the shepherd's voice. So when the shepherd called out his sheep, they responded and came out of the pen. And so Jesus says, my sheep. Those who are in my kingdom, those who are part of my family, those who I died for, and those who have received me as Lord and Savior, my sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them, right? And what do they do? They follow me. That's very important. You want to underline, and they follow me. It's not they listen to me, get my opinion, throw it in a basket of opinions, and choose whether or not they're going to follow me. That's not what he says. He says, they listen to me, and they know me, and how do I know someone? By conversation. You know, if I married my wife, and I, we never spoke. I mean, it's like, okay, once in a while, she'd stroll through the house and say something. I'd uh, say, once in a blue moon. Uh, what kind of relationship are we going to have? Not much of one. I'm not going to know her very well. How do you get to know a person? You get to know a person through conversation, right? You go deep with them and, and you share things. You share thoughts and feelings and fears and anxieties. And, and so God says, we're having this relationship, this conversation, and I know them and they, they follow me. And so hearing God's voice is a confirmation that you are part of God's family and here's why. There are a lot of people who may want to hear God's voice. But if you're not saved, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are spiritually dead. There is no capacity to hear God. Because I cannot hear God as a natural man. I must hear him as a spiritual man or woman. It would be like me trying to hear God. He's on the FM frequency, and I'm on AM as a natural man, all right? But I'm wanting to hear God, and I can go from, you know, all the way across the gamut, uh, uh, you know, looking for, trying to tune into the voice of God, but I can't hear until I change frequencies. So when you accepted Christ and the Spirit of God moved in you, he put you on the same frequency that God's on. And so when God speaks... He speaks to your, your spirit, the Holy Spirit inside your soul, and, and you know your soul, your, your spirit, soul, and body. And so when, when he speaks, uh, I hear, I, I, I listen, I learn to distinguish his voice. I simply know this. When I call my daughters up, I don't have to say, hey, Stacy, hello, how you doing? This dad, you know, Greg Cooper, right? No, all I have to do is say hello or hi. She knows immediately what my voice sounds like. I know immediately what their voice sounds like. Why? Because there's a relationship. There's communication. There is a, a knowing and, and a frequency of this communication back and forth. So the deception, the deception of the evil one, of, of Satan, is that, well, God's hard to hear, and, you know, it's, it's just very difficult, and it's going to take years of practice and years of trial and error and years of understanding, and, and uh, you know, if you're ever going to be able to hear it all. No, God says he wants his voice to be knowable and doable and hearable. Now, here's one of the common mistakes that we make. 
when I talk to people, especially young believers, about listening to God, here's, here's what we want to do is we want to take our Bible and we say, okay, uh, I'm going to have a devotion tomorrow morning. I'm going to open up God's Word, and I'm going to read and, uh, and say, okay, I've, I've read. I, I share with God what's on my heart, and I'm like, okay, God, speak to me. Like, boom, now, now speak to me now. Now, let me just say this. God can do that, and he may do that, but more than likely not. Uh, what happens is when you put pressure on yourself like that to hear God, like at that moment, that instant, is that now, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not hearing anything, and oh, you know, something wrong with me, and I'm not listening right, Did I, let's read through it again, and, and so now you get frustrated because you're not hearing anything. More than likely, and, and one of the things I challenged you with as an activation last week was this, is that for me, uh, this year, I'm taking one verse a week. It's my verse of meditation. It's the verse that I'm praying to God, meditating upon, worshiping Him with, pulling out the attributes of God that has to do with that particular verse for that week. And so when I'm doing that, it's not like I, I do that in the morning and say, okay, God, speak to me. you got to speak to me right now. No. As you're going through the course of your day, it's amazing how God will speak to you throughout the daytime as he's bringing you across situations and people and circumstances to which God wants to speak into your life concerning those things to give you a Rima message. But it's not because I said, God, you have to do it. you got to do it now. you got five minutes. Does that make sense? Because otherwise, you're going to miss God's voice. Because there's a lot of different ways that he speaks, um, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about these here in a couple of weeks, what those are. But when you become familiar with God's voice, there's just this, this internal thing that gets activated. So the best thing I can do is give you an example right out of the Bible. You remember that after Jesus was resurrected, uh, there were two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus. You all remember that story? And so uh, Jesus catches up with him. Hey, what's going on? Man, you can't believe what's you Are you kidding me? Have you not heard? How could you not know what went on? Man, Jesus, he, he was crucified. He, he's Really? That's nice. So he's walking along talking to them. They don't recognize him. And so they end up, you know, going. And, and then they have a meal together. And then all of a sudden Jesus speaks. And he, he's gone. And what do they say? When he spoke... Did not our hearts burn within us? See, when God speaks, there's just something that transpires inside of you, and you know it's God. There is a burning. There is a yearning. There is a desire. There is just something supernatural that happens as we listen to God's voice. So I want you to know that the ultimate search engine in the world is not Google. It's God. So look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. One of the ways that you know that God has spoken is this. There's that, that burning sensation in you that the Holy Spirit is just like. So when I, was, for example, was called into ministry. Um, so, you know, I'm listening to the, the message that was being preached that night. And there was such a burning that was going on inside of me. But I didn't understand what that was at that time. And so my wife and I went home, and I said, babe, I, you know, I said, 
at first I was like, did I have heartburn, indigestion? I mean, this is something going on inside of me. And we go back the next night and the same thing, only this time it's intensified like tenfold. And literally, I'm grabbing the back of the pew and I'm like white knuckled because I just feel this, a sense of the Spirit of God just moving so powerfully in my heart that he's like... You, you need to go forward and you need to talk to the pastor. You need to go forward and talk to the pastor. I'm calling you into ministry. And so what did I do? I just hung on, man, until it was over with. But after it was, uh, the service was over, I went up to Reverend Crawford and uh, I said, listen, I, I, I don't know what's going on inside of me, but I think that God's calling me into full-time ministry. Could you sit down and talk to me? And so when I began to describe what was going on inside of me, he says, God has clearly spoken to you. And so that was really kind of my first step in really beginning to recognize God's voice with this internal sense of burning and desire uh, deep within my heart. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in uh, verse 9, it says this, uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. See, this is, a, this is, a, this is the concept of our relating with God on the spiritual level. We're both on the FM frequency here. Why? His Spirit to my spirit. This is what we speak, not in words taught. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. So what's that? That's the natural man. That's the person without the Spirit of God. Has no capacity to, to hear the things of God. And, and, and if he does hear, like you speak something to them, like the Bible says, for them it's just foolishness. That, that's ludicrous. Crazy. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct us? But we have, watch this, we have the mind of Christ. Why do we have the mind of Christ? Because you have the Spirit of God in you. And the Spirit of God wants to convey to you what the mind of Christ is. In other words, your heavenly Father wants you to know what's on his heart. So when you're traveling through life and you're bumping up against things for which you have no answer or you have questions, you have things that you're experiencing in life, maybe some deep, dark valley that you've been through, it's the Holy Spirit who will take the deep things of God and begin to speak into you because the Father wants you to know his heart. Again, if he loved you enough to die for you, he loves you enough to speak to you. And so the depth of your relationship, I think this is a fill-in, the depth of your relationship with God is the foundation for knowing his voice. Therefore, above all else, 
Make that relationship a priority in your life. And as you make that a priority, the Spirit of God will begin building within you a passion like you've never had before. And you will run after the voice of God with all of your might. Because that's what you need. That's what I need. Isn't that what Jesus told uh, Martha? You remember Mary and Martha? Jesus goes to Bethany and visits these two sisters, and Martha's all worried about, I got to get the house cleaned up, the dishes ready, and everything tidied up. Jesus is there, and Mary's just sitting at his feet, just listening to the words of Jesus. And uh, Martha gets all bent out of shape because she's doing all the work, right? She's getting everything prepared. She's doing it by herself. And she comes out and says, hey, Jesus, do you not care that I'm the only one in this kitchen working? What about Mary? And she did not expect Jesus' response when he said to her, Oh, Martha, Martha, you are so worried and so troubled by so many things. But Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. He says, this one thing is needed. This one thing. What's the one thing? To sit at my feet and listen to my voice. I'm your shepherd. You are my sheep. My sheep listen to me, they know me, and then they choose to follow me because they know that my words are the very mind and the very heart of God. That's the Father's desire for you. It's his desire for all of us. But here's what you need uh, to understand as we, before we move on. Here's his next fill in the blank. God will honor the level of relationship that you want to have with him. So let me explain that. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and so is your Heavenly Father. If you do not want to listen to him, he will not force you to do so. He will never force you to do anything beyond your own will and desire. In other words, God's not going to come upon you and say, well, uh, I'm God and you're not, and you're going to listen to me. How many of us have done that as parents? Right? You're, you're, you're having conflict with your, your uh, child, and, uh, you know, they get mad at you, and they storm up the steps and slam the, you know, the, the bedroom door out of defiance, and they're going to show you how angry they are. And so you go stomping up the steps after them, and, you know, like, you open up the door, or they got it locked. Open up this door. I'm your father. I, I demand you listen to me. Right? You ever done? Yeah. So when my kids, um, well, when one of my daughters slammed the door one too many times, I took the door off the hinges, and she had to earn it back. So, but sometimes we think this is the way God treats us, and, and by the way, I didn't like, you know, thrash my kids. Don't, don't <laughs> For example, if you don't invite God into your marriage, he won't come. He'll sit back. And he'll watch you make a mess of things. And he's always on the sidelines ready and waiting and willing to come and help. And to, you know, guide and direct. And he does not come bearing fear and shame and guilt. God wants and desires above all else to speak to us and to have relationship with us. And so uh, even in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 20, it says of a church, it says God's standing on the outside of the door knocking, 
asking you to open up the door that he might come in and have fellowship. But what it does not say is that God knocked a few times and you didn't respond, so he kicked in the door and forced himself in. No, 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 he's a gentleman. He will go as deep in your, that, this relationship you want with him as you're willing to go. And you want to hear God speak, God is more than willing to speak. He's more than willing to guide and direct, but it's up to you as to how far you are going to go. There is an incident in the book of Exodus, I love it, in chapter 20, where the people of Israel, you know, God is, you know, Moses has brought Israel out of Egyptian bondage, and they're in the wilderness, and God, you know, shows up on the mountain, and there's thunder and lightning, and the things are quaking, and the people are like, hey, Moses, hey, hey we're, we're keeping our distance from God. You go up and be our representative. We'll, we'll live our relationship with him through you. God was inviting all of them to have a relationship, but they refused, and God didn't force them. He let God, Moses be not just their leader, but their representative. And think about all the experiences Moses had firsthand with God that the people of Israel missed out on. You know, we can pick up the Bible and we can read about all the miraculous things that God does in people's lives and how God did this and spoke and they obeyed and experienced God in different ways. Listen, if you never put yourself in a position to need a miracle... Of God, you'll never experience a miracle of God. And sometimes we get in a position where we need a miracle of God, but we don't invite God in. We, we have a plan B, and we have an escape hatch, and we have other things that we'll do without actually inviting our Heavenly Father to engage in this miracle that we need or this breakthrough that we need in our lives and then wonder why it doesn't come. So God will respect us even in the moments when we can be a punk and just say, you know, this is how it's going to be. We're just not going to, God's still going to graciously wait, but he's never going to lead us through pressure and shame and fear. He doesn't shame us to do what is right. He doesn't say, well, I spoke to you once, you missed out on it, therefore I'm never speaking to you again. That's not who he is. And so we want this relationship we want to hear because it's so valuable to be a part of God's family and to have a Heavenly Father who is so concerned about every intimate detail of our lives. Number two, it protects me from mistakes. It protects me from mistakes. You know my, my favorite verse, verse, first verse I ever memorized, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Why do we need that? I love the message version. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he is the one who will keep you on track. Because here's, here's what I used to say. Here's what people say all the time when facing a decision. Just trust your heart. Just trust your heart. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says, but the heart is deceitful, and it's deceptive. It's deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You want to make a lot of mistakes? Trust your heart. Because you're going to spend your life making a lot of emotion, very emotionally driven decisions. And listen, emotions are very powerful, and God gave us emotions, and when emotions are, are, are you know, put in within the 
the framework or the riverbanks of where God is directing this, it can be a very powerful thing. You know, that's what passion is all about. You know, if I'm passionate for God and I'm passionate for this relationship, not, nothing wrong with that. But, but I've seen a lot of people, for example, a very powerful emotion that we deal with from time to time in our life is the emotion of loneliness. And loneliness can drive you to making some very horrible decisions because you are emotionally driven by your heart in the midst of your loneliness that causes you to make decisions that will come back uh, to haunt you sometimes for the rest of your life. And so uh, he says, man... <laughs> He says, no wonder we're so prone. We deceive ourselves. It comes naturally. Uh, you know. And he says, it's beyond cure, right? There's no magic pill. Uh, there's no special prayer, seminar, conference, or book that can fix it. And who can understand it? Have you ever done something and said to yourself, as you reflected back, I can't believe I did that. I, I don't understand why I would have done something like that. I, I must not have been thinking right when I made that decision. Help me out here. Am I the only one that does that kind of stuff? You know, one of the shows I love to watch on TV is The World's Dumbest Criminals. <laughs> you, you watch that and you think, how can somebody be that stupid and, and do what you've just done? And anyways. But frankly, I could sit back and say some of those same things about myself. Greg, that's the dumbest decision you have ever made. Because I trusted my heart, it did not lean on my father's understanding, but I leaned in on my own understanding. Do you know who penned those words? Solomon, the wisest guy in the world, but made some of the dumbest decisions ever. And he's speaking out of experience and saying, look, uh, you, you don't want to lean on your own understanding in all your ways, you want to acknowledge God and let him speak so that he can set your feet on the pathway that leads to the right destination. So here's your fill in the blank. Direction, not good intentions, determines your destination in life. Direction, not good intentions, determines your destination in life. In other words, the, the direction where you're currently traveling, relationally, financially, uh, spiritually, the list goes on, will determine where you end up in each of those perspective areas. And this is true regardless of your goals and your dreams and your uh, wishes or wants because it's not your good intentions that determines your destination. It is the direction that your life is heading. And so you and I, if we want to keep from making some horrendous mistakes in life, we had better... <laughs> Not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge our Heavenly Father and listen. Listen to Him so that He can set his, our feet on the best paths that lead to the best destinations. Why is this difficult for us? Because we are on a happiness quest. And it's whatever makes me happy, that's what I'm going to do. Listen. God wants you to be happy, okay? He does. He really does. God's not out to make our lives miserable. But he also understands that some of the decisions that we make on our happiness quest are very bad decisions. Like, you know, I, okay, so when I, I'll, I'll tell on myself. It's good for my soul, bad for my reputation. I have purchased vehicles that were solely on the basis of what was going to make me happy. 
that were horrible purchases. Either A, they were lemons, or B, you know, you thought, well, I know I don't really have the money, but I'll do it anyways. And so then you make that purchase, and then you finance that car for the next six or seven years, whatever it is you do, and you get that payment book that looks like a phone book. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I got buyer's remorse, right? So we do these kinds of things when, when we're not willing to listen to our Heavenly Father who wants to protect us from making life's mistakes. Now, some mistakes that we make are easily um, overcome, but other mistakes, not so much. And again, some of them can be so vast and so deep, they can last and scar you for a lifetime. And God wants to protect us from that because that's... That's who our Heavenly Father is. Number three, the reason why I so value God's voice is because it provides me with encounters with Him. Encounters with God. When it rains, when, it, when I face a crisis, right? So Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, it rains on the just and the unjust. Which means nowhere in the Bible has God promised that, you know, if you walk after me and read your Bible and pray every day... And Memorize and meditate on Scripture that nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. You live in a fallen world among fallen people, and Jesus says bad things happen to everyone. We're all going to face a crisis in our lives from at one point or another. People that we love die, right? One out of one still dies in our world. Uh, there's no one who lives forever, so we have to deal with those issues in life. We have to deal with issues of failing health and parents that are aging and, and their health is beginning to fail. And that creates all kinds of nuances that you have to deal with day in and day out. And so the Bible says trials and tribulations of all kinds, we're going to face them, has nothing to do with our spirituality or our intimacy with God that we you know, brought to the table, but it has everything to do with living in this fallen world. And so when we receive Christ, you know, we're, we're not going to live forever on this earth. We are, gonna, we are built for eternity. But here's, here's my thought is that God's voice, God's voice is the one thing that I've always clung to to help me in my moment of crisis. And I've had a, I've had a bunch, and so have you, Right? You know what they are. If I had you stand up and give testimony, every single one of you can talk about points in your lives in which you face great crisis in your life. And so, um, yeah. And so the, the Spirit of God just wants to speak into us. You know, one of the things I learned as a parent with two children is you learn to distinguish a child's cry. Like, so we lived out of state for most of when our children were small, and so we'd come home to visit, and my mom, you know, uh, the girls would be there, and they might be, they love to go down to my mom's basement and play down there, because I did that when we were kids, and so they'd go down there and play, and so one of them, inevitably, somebody starts crying, so they're down there with all the cousins, somebody starts crying, my mom says, don't you think you ought to get to that? Don't you think you ought to get to that? No. Well, what do you mean? One of my babies is down there crying. It's okay. You know, you, know, you know why it's okay? Because there's all kinds of cries, right? There's a cry that, you know, uh, I got a little bit hurt, but it's not anything really major. There's the cry of, you know, uh, manipulation. Like, you know, I'm trying to get my own way while we're playing. Um, there is the uh, sympathy cry. 
There's the, um, you know, more silence after the cry than you know. Maybe some blood's dripping down there. Uh, Then you may go and do something about it, right? So you, you just learn to distinguish the cry of your children and whether or not that cry would merit you getting up and going down and saying, okay, obviously something is wrong. See, we all experience trauma, and it's just a different cry than we just experience kind of day in and day out things, are they not? Our hearts cry out to our Father, and they are absolutely in turmoil. And if there's ever a time I want to hear my Heavenly Father's voice, it's in those moments. And God, without fail, has always stepped up to the plate and responded. I cherish those moments, and I hope you do too. I write those things down. I do not trust my memory to remember all that God has ever spoken to me in my moments of crisis, and so I, I write those things down because I want to, I want to sh- man, I want that in my belt of arsenal when I think about God's voice and the value of his voice and leaning in on the Holy Spirit Because here's what God wants to do through these times in our lives. He wants us to come to know him in a greater way. If there's ever an example in the Bible, it's that of Job. Remember Job back in the Old Testament, most noted for his suffering hardship. But when we look at the story of Job, we often miss the message. You know, this wasn't just about, this wasn't about, you know, God letting Satan beat up on Job. That was not the purpose of why God allowed to happen what happened, and certainly wasn't the purpose for the book of Job. But, you know, Job lost a lot of things, his family and everything, basically his health, but his wife. And, uh, you know, she's the one saying, hey, you just need to curse God and die. And so then his friends finally come along. They're silent for seven days. And it was a beautiful silence because then they started speaking, got Job all messed up because they started saying, listen, Job, we understand why this is happening to you. We have an opinion on this. So they started formulating and expressing their opinions to Job, none of which made any sense or had any validity, validity uh, concerning his condition. And so uh, after they get done talking, now Job kind of gets depressed. It's like, man. Uh, and then he starts questioning God. And God steps up to the plate and says, And starts rattling off questions to Job. Why did he do that? Because as God began to rattle off those questions, Job began to see God's power and his righteousness, his sovereignty, his control, his his vastness. And, And having been stripped bare of everything in his life, here's how Job concluded. He says, I had only heard about you before. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. In other words, what Job was saying is what many people could say, many followers of Christ. I know you on printed page, but I've never really experienced you personally like this. Job had known about God, but now he had been enabled by God's words to know him. And that's exactly what God wanted. The names of God that are on these walls were birthed out of people experiencing God in a very powerful way, in very, a, a very much of a crisis time for most of them. And out of that, 
They experienced God so that God was no longer just something I knew about. He's something that I actually know and have experienced, and God has, like, invaded my life. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. How did Abraham learn about Jehovah Jireh? When God asked him to take his son and to offer him as a sacrifice, that promised son, and Abraham, without hesitation, obeyed God, picked up Isaac, took him, the wood, the rope, everything that was needed. When they get to the bottom of the mountain, Isaac says, we've got all this stuff for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? Where's the ram? God, what did Abraham say? God will provide. The Lord will provide. And at that moment, when Isaac is laid on the altar, and he is about to be sacrificed to God that God brings a ram in the thicket. Think about had Abraham refused to respond to God's voice, he would have missed that powerful experience with the God who created him that forever marked his life. From that day forward, listen, there wasn't anything that Abraham would not trust God with. And so, when we're challenged to take a step of faith, sometimes God calls us out, and we want to experience his name. Now, here's one of the struggles that I had early on, is that when God calls us out to follow him, we, we want him to give us the entire picture of all that's going to entail, right? So, let's go back to my calling. Uh, you know, God spoke, there's a burning in my heart, I meet with Reverend Crawford, and I sense that God's calling me to do that, so I'm going to quit my job. Uh, I'm going to go to college. And so, you know, what I wanted was God show me the big picture. I want to know what all this is going to look like because I'm quitting my job. I got no job where I'm going to college. I got nowhere to live. I haven't even been accepted yet. And so, but I, I stepped out on faith that God was calling me. And so I was asking God, I need the whole shebang here. And here's what God says. He says, no, you don't. No, 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 no. You just need to take the step that I tell you to take. You wait, you just obey that. Hang out. I'll tell you when to take the next step. Hang out. Obey that. I'll tell you when to take the next step. Hang out. Obey that. I'll tell you when to take the next step. And I'll begin filling the pieces of the puzzle in your life. You know that in my life, you know, that's, that was 30-some years ago that God issued that call in my life. He's still not filled in all the picture yet. And so that's where trust comes, and that's where faith comes, and that's where that, that, that yearning and longing and passion of relationship comes to keep going after God. Now, here's the last one. And the reason why it's so valuable is because it produces personal success. The key to your success is found in your obedience. All right, Joshua chapter 1, God said to Joshua, Moses has died. Joshua has taken the Israelites into the promised land. Here's what God said to him. I want you to meditate on my word, on my law, day and night, and be very careful to do everything it says, and then you'll be successful in all that you do. Here's where we get tripped up, right? We don't want to obey. We want to weigh options. We want to say, well, okay, Lord, I'll weigh the options here and see which one I like best, and that's the one I'm going to obey, right? God says, throw the options out the window, uh, just like with Abraham. Here's what God promised, and Jesus promised in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, uh, 
He says, those who seek after God in obedience, they are the pure in heart and they shall see God. The reason why Abraham had this tremendous experience with God is because he walked out in obedience. Those who make obedience a habit in their lives can expect to receive an invasion, an invasion of God's manifest presence in your life. But you got to come up on the front end, right? All right, Lord, speak. I'm ready to obey. Not speak in all way whether or not I want to do it. Why would God waste his time speaking to you if you're not going to follow through with it? Right? What did Jesus say? My sheep listen to me. I know them and they follow me. Without question. When Jesus called his disciples, they dropped their nets. They dropped what they were doing and they followed him. Without question. They were following in obedience. Because that's what God asks us uh, of us. And the reason why we can trust that level of obedience into the hands of our Heavenly Father is because He always wants to set our feet on the best path that leads to the best destinations. Why would I not follow? I could spend, uh, I share with my guys, I could spend the next 10 years in this church, I've been here 20 years, been preaching for 30-some years. I've got hundreds and hundreds of messages that I've prepared over those 30 years, hundreds. Uh, for 25 years, I preached three times a week, taught classes in school, in Boyce Bible College, and seminary. And, uh, I had all kinds. Of, I could coast for the next 10 years, not have to prepare another message. I could pull out anything, and, because if I preached it uh, you know, two months ago, you ain't going to remember it anyways. I can't even remember them all, right? So, you know, it's like, uh, but you know, yesterday's manna is not good for today. I don't ever want to just slide. I want to draw from the living well of Jesus. I tell folks all the time, you want to live your life with Christ out of the overflow, not out of an empty well. Make sure you keep filling the well Sit at the feet of Jesus, and when God needs to speak, he will speak. And we're going to teach you how to prepare your heart next week to receive that message, and then we'll talk specifically about here are the ways that God speaks to you. He loves you. He wants relationship. He doesn't want it to be one way. He wants to speak, and I believe it's the most valuable voice I could ever listen to. So here's your activation and preparation for next week. I want you to write down each day the thoughts that you have that make you feel either anxious, fearful, or guilty. Because this is all going to have to do with the preparation of your heart to receiving a word from God. Write down every day, just the end of the day, just think about what are the thoughts that I had today that made me feel anxious, fearful, or guilty. Because oftentimes these things keep us from having our hearts prepared to receive what it is that God wants to say to us. And so then what happens is our, our minds get all muddled with, you know, well, is this God speaking, is this Satan speaking, is this the, you know, who, who's speaking here? Is I just think this up on my own? No, if, once you prepare your heart, we're going to talk about how to distinguish between those voices because Satan speaks in a very particular way, all right? <laughs> and, and it's distinctly different than the way God's going to speak or where Satan's going to lead you and God's going to 
where God would lead you. All right? So you cool with that? You ready to be quit and go eat? Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we love you and thank you. Um, Lord, that you, that you so long to have this, this relationship that is so deep and so passionate and, and just so personal. Lord, that you're just not a God who just you know, wound up the world and sat back and just watching it run its course. But God, you, you are so, so personal with us that you tell us that you've even numbered the hairs on our head and you know what that number is. And so we thank you that we can trust you in such, with such details of our lives. And, and God, we just open our hearts this morning. We invite you. We invite you to speak as we prepare our hearts with a readiness to obey you when you speak, Father. That maybe those words that you're going to speak are not even an issue of an obedience. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a word of comfort you need to bring in somebody's heart this week. I pray, God, that you... You will give them ears with which to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, maybe for some, maybe it's the first time. Maybe for, maybe for some, it's the first time in a long time that they've heard your voice. But Lord, I, I, I pray that, that God, every, every single person here this morning will have an experience, an encounter with you this week as we uh, open up our hearts and our lives to you and just prepare ourselves to listen. So thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.